Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we have another ominous warning. We see this pop up a lot recently where we look at certain data points from 2009 or 2008 during the GFC, and they're eerily similar to what we see today. So now what we're going to focus on is the most recent thing that's popped up on our radar, which is the purchase of bonds. So let's go right over to this article from Bloomberg and check this out. This is uh, from a B of A survey. Investors dump cash to chase bonds. And the punchline here, guys, is they're doing this at a level that we have not seen since 2009. So they're saying that in one of the key talking points here, playbook for 2004, excuse me, 2024, soft landing, lower rates, weaker dollar. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you get the lower rates and a soft landing. To me, that's kind of an oxymoron. I don't see those going hand in hand. But uh, as you guys know from watching the news and watching this channel, that is definitely the mainstream narrative. You, you have to ask yourself the question. And obviously, the people on Wall Street or CNBC are not doing this. But why? Why would the Fed drop rates? You say, well, George, duh, because inflation's headed back down to their target level. And if they can get inflation back down to 2%, well, then they're going to drop rates. Why would they keep rates at 5%? Because 5% is average. That's not extreme. We're not talking about draconian interest rates. We're not talking about interest rate or Fed funds. We're not talking about Fed funds at 50%. We're not talking about Turkish level of overnight rates. <laughs> We're talking about 5%. So in a normal economy with, let's say, quote unquote, normal rates of inflation, even what the Fed wants at 2%, you, you look at rates and they're going to be right around 5%. So I don't know why we have this in our heads, and I'm talking about the mainstream media here, the financial press. I don't know why they assume that if um, inflation is at the Fed's target, well, that just means that they can drop interest rates back down to zero. Like What? what, what, what since when is 0% interest rates normal? I mean, that's that's if you're trying to get inflation uh, according to the way, you know, according to the way it's presented. That's means that you're trying to get inflation up, that your problem is deflation. So this makes no sense to me whatsoever. So let's just look at this very, very simply. 5% historically would mean the Fed just likes things the way they are. 0% would mean they're worried about deflation. And let's just say 10% would mean that they're worried about inflation. That's what we've seen historically. So, but but what's happened is the market has just shifted down to where now 5%, oh my gosh, you're really worried about inflation. And oh, if you just like the thing the way things are, well, that means you're at 0%. And if you're worried about deflation, well, that means you're at negative five. I mean, that's the bizarro world that we're living in right now. But for some reason, this narrative is catching on with people who you would assume would be smarter than this, but I, I guess not. So the bot, the main takeaway, my point is that if your playbook is for lower rates, your playbook is not for soft landing. 
it would be for hard landing. So investors turned to the most bullish. Investors turned the most bullish on bonds since the, the GFC on big convention conviction that rates will move lower in 2024. I mean, I'm a little torn on this because you want to point at this and say, hey, look, guys, the market's really turning here, and that must mean that we're getting close to a recession. But on the other hand, I completely disagree with their rationale for buying the bonds to begin with. So <laughs> take it for what it's worth. I'm simultaneously saying that these guys are right and wrong. <laughs> Ah, uh, I think they're probably right to buy the bonds, but the reasons they're doing it are completely, completely wrong. It's basically like we're reading an article that they're arguing that you should be buying bonds because, uh, some because of something, um, uh, some sort of astronomy or astrology. Which Josh, which is the one that does all those things like zodiac signs? Is that astrology or I think that's astrology. Yeah, I think it is astrology, but I'm not too sure. That is not my forte. Yeah, so it's basically like they're coming out with some sort of article in Bloomberg saying, you know what? We are buying bonds because Aquarius is in the fourth moon this month. <laughs> Go on and on and on about Saturn and 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 uh Pisces and all these things <laughs> and you're like hmm I don't know how I should feel about this I mean what I should think about this because on one hand I think it's probably wise to own some bonds if you're going to go long anything uh but on the other hand the rationale for doing it is completely insane that's kind of where I am with this article and looking at this chart you can see that they're not joking I mean this is quite an extreme and I guess we could say to their defense that they got it right. It was definitely a good time to buy bonds in, uh, you know, obviously during the GFC. I think they started to ramp up their bond buying, go from being negative, excuse me, going from underweight to overweight here in 2008. So it looks like we're doing the same thing here. And we'll have to see how this plays out. But it was definitely the right move. Back in March of 2009, which again is the last time we saw this extreme, extreme divergence from what the norm is. And that would be underweight bonds based on the parameters they're using. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options, Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level.
The B of A survey showed the conviction of peak Fed rates is now the strongest since the poll began asking investors to time the end of the rate hiking cycle. That's prompted cautious investors to cut cash levels from 4.7 from 5.5. So I can I think that's the gist of the article here is that investors are taking that cash, they're drawing it down to buy bonds. Here's a quote where they're talking about investor playbook for 2024, soft landing, lower rates, and weaker dollar. The strategist wrote, the survey saw investors increase allocation to U.S. and Japanese stocks and decrease exposure to euro area and U.K. equities. I mean, again, I, I don't know how you can be simultaneously bullish on the bond market and the stock market. It, it seems that if you look at history just for five minutes, you see that this is not how these inversions play out. This is not how the rate hiking and then dropping cycle plays out. Here you go. Two out of three investors see soft landing as their base case. Wow. All right. The most crowded trades are long big tech, short China equities, and long T-bills. Well, I don't know why you'd be long T-bills. I mean, buying T-bills... I don't know is the same as going long. I see those as two separate things because going long something implies to me that you are looking for capital, some serious capital appreciation. Going long to me doesn't just mean buying it. So like I own a lot of T-bills, but I don't, I wouldn't really say I'm long T-bills. I just own a lot of T-bills. I'm not expecting the price to skyrocket because even if the Fed takes rates down to zero, the price of the bond the T-bill, uh, because it's such short duration, is going to be very, very low, but it's just a place to store dry powder. It's T-bill and chill, just like we talked about the other day. Whereas if I'm short China equities, that would imply to me that I'm actually betting that the prices of the equities in China will go lower. And see, this is another thing that doesn't make any sense to me. How can you be short China equities and, and long U.S. equities, because it's interesting to me that these dots aren't often connected. Let's think about this. China produces all the stuff that we buy. So if China is seeing very, very weak demand, what does that mean about the amount of stuff that we are buying here as consumers? You see, it, it's, it's almost by definition, if demand is low in China, then demand is low in the United States. And I would say that what we're seeing from the Chinese manufacturers is maybe a leading indicator. And what we are seeing in the United States is a lagging indicator. So I get it if your play is short China just because of their real estate market. But I don't think it is. I think when you look at their overall economy, when you look at their manufacturing, it's going down. And the reason they're giving for it going down so much is lack of demand for their stuff. Okay, well... Lack of demand for their stuff means lack of demand for Home Depot's stuff, for Target's stuff, and Walmart's stuff. So it seems like there could be a bit of a lag effect here that uh, where traders or investors are, are offsides here. And they're looking at one leading indicator and another lagging indicator. Investors see U.S. European Union commercial real estate is the most likely source of credit event. Yeah, I agree there, but I think that's the biggest opportunity.
I mean, for I'm sure most of you guys heard the videos yesterday. I'm doing a webinar in Rebel Capitalist Pro for some of the insights that I learned, some of the insider secrets and strategies that I learned from this most recent trip to St. Bart's, where I was talking with hedge fund managers, Hugh Hendry, and a lot of his friends and a lot of my my buddies that I have uh, I've met and uh, been talking to since 2020 when I was there for about three months to escape the whole Cerveza sickness insanity. But uh, these guys have really taught me a lot, and it's just such a unique opportunity to get the uh, to get the chance to sit down, just break bread, and hear some of these stories, and try to just gain from their almost seemingly infinite wisdom around what they've done since the 1980s in making and losing uh, billions of dollars, but coming out net ahead. Right? These guys were very, very good. Most of them very, very famous, but they try to keep a, a low profile now. But anyway, um, we'll be discussing this, but we discussed commercial real estate in St. Bart's to a great degree. I mean, that's one of the main things we were discussing there. So anyway, if you want to see that webinar, you can check it out at Rebel Capitalist Pro. You can just go to georgegammon.com forward slash pro and just uh, sign up for a dollar trial. Okay, but the next uh, key talking point here, the relative overweight in U.S. and Japan equities versus euro area and U.K. equities is the largest since 2008. So overweight U.S. and Japan versus euro area. And I'd almost want to do the opposite. You got to buy what's cheap and sell what's expensive. But those are just my thoughts. I think the main takeaway that I had from this article was that investors are taking their cash positions and going into bonds to the greatest degree since we have seen since 2008 and 2009. I don't agree with the rationale, but the uh, but the movement of the portfolio or the financial positioning uh, is something that I think is definitely worth considering. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. See you in the next video.